He has brought us through 2023. I know many people were challenged this year. I know many people went through major hardships. Many people are still facing those challenges. But I have to say, I am so blessed by the grace of God who has brought me through. And here we are today, still talking, still talking about the word, still encouraged about what God is doing. I'm just blessed that I'm here, that it's been a year of podcasts with you all, that um, I've been able to almost, I haven't been completely faithful to it, but almost weekly bring you guys something. And that was one of my goals. And I am so grateful. And as we come to the conclusion of the Gregorian calendar year, at least, and we head into Gregorian calendar year 2024. I have to express my gratitude for those of you who have been so supportive, those of you who have liked and and shared my podcast, those of you who have reached out with encouragement. Thank you. Um, as I've always said, I, I don't, I, I'm not dogmatic about a lot of things. I know I don't get everything right, but this podcast is about challenging mainstream ideas, mainstream doctrines, mainstream beliefs around certain things in scripture so that we can deepen our understanding and know our savior better. That's the point. The reason we have these discussions, the reason we do this isn't to win an argument um, and and isn't to battle each other out and to, to be the final victors. There's no victory in division. This is to discuss what it means to be a follower of Yeshua, what it means to love God and what the Bible's really teaching. Because in those beautiful teachings, we get to deepen our understanding. We get to learn so much about our Savior. And it deepens our faith. When we see the consistency of Scripture, when we see how faithful God is to tell the same story from Genesis to Revelation, to be unchanging, to not be double-minded, when we see that He is all that He promised He was— And when it's confirmed in scripture and our understanding, it deepens our faith in this God because we realize that over thousands of years of time and dozens of authors, the story never changed. The consistency was there. That in itself is a miracle. And we can claim and confirm that miracle right there in the Bible. And I hope I've helped you see this this year. I hope this podcast has been as much of a challenge as it's been, that it's also been that much of an encouragement and inspiration for you to go do the research. You know what I love when I'm challenged, when someone disagrees with me, it inspires me to go do my own research. And that's good. That's the good news, right? Um, Sometimes challenges are to try to take you down or try to cut you off at the knees. Um, My friends, that is not my goal. I don't want to cut you down. I don't want to cut down your ideas. I want to present something to you that maybe you haven't thought of in the past and maybe a new filter that you could put on, maybe another dimension to these incredible words that we have in our Bibles so that you can know the Savior better. And listen, I this podcast today um, is very close to my heart. And I've been feeling it for a while. 
Y'all know the last couple podcasts I've released have been interviews about the Holy Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit. I have been feeling the Holy Spirit um, wanting to pour out on a mature group of believers who have not brought divisiveness and disunity, but who are ready and willing to submit and humble themselves to know the Bible better and more deeply so that the Holy Spirit can be poured out upon those people. And I bring these challenges to you so that we can understand scripture better because scripture should be a unifying experience for those who love the Lord. Now, scripture will be divisive. It will divide people, right? It will divide people from unbelievers. It will divide you from other people who differ. It's going to, it's going to get under the skin of people. But for those who love the Lord, we are willing to, we are willing to be cut to pieces and molded into what God wants us to be, right? And if that means cutting off previous beliefs, cutting off wrong ideas, cutting off bad practices, here's where we unify. We unify around what does the word actually say? Can it be found there? And then we decide to love each other anyways. My brothers and my sisters who have differing beliefs, my hope is that we would meet and love one another. I think we need this love and unity right now in a desperate way. I think the enemy has been so good for thousands of years coming up with all these different man-made doctrines and dividing people, dividing them up, chopping them apart so that when he comes, there will be so much confusion and so much misunderstanding around scripture that many will be deceived and the church will be weak and ripe for the taking. You know, I think I think we're in a time period just like that. And I'm gonna I'm gonna discuss that tonight when I discuss rest because I feel the unrest happening in the world spiritually and I sense the discouragement, the worries, the concerns, the rage, the unhappiness, the depression of God's people. There are so many people in church that will be in church this next weekend who just like we get, we all do this, who will be caught up in the politics of 2024, who will be caught up in the news, in the worldly news around what's going to happen in 2024. They're going to be caught up in um, a mixture of religion and politics. And there is a rise of a religious spirit happening right now that I really want to talk about. And I think it's why the Holy Spirit is poking people to start talking about the work of the Holy Spirit, because the work of the Holy Spirit is not the work of a religious, a spirit of religiosity. It's not. It's not there to give you a bunch of man-made rules and dictates by which you will, you know, be able to um, overcome the enemy. That that just doesn't work. You have got to have the spirit of the Lord Most High to overcome the enemy. You have got to be operating on the kingdom's terms and understandings, and you have to be submitted to the will of God in your spirit. Remember, we are battling a spiritual battle even though we use our flesh to do it, right? We have to tame our flesh. We have to say no to our flesh. We have to hold our flesh back so that we don't do things that affect our spiritual position. But if you don't do it first from the position of someone who has been cleaned out and submitted to the Holy Spirit, 
we can have a very hard time overcoming in the world. And so um, I want to talk about rest, but we're going to talk about it from a lot of different perspectives and what rest means right now, because I think there's a lot of misconceptions. Um, And then what rest is going to mean to me and to what I'm doing in the next year or two with everything I'm trying to create, everything I'm trying to do, but also with where I think God has me and what he wants me to, what he might be asking me to do. I'm not going to put words in his mouth, but I just have a sense about some things right now that I'd like to discuss. So first of all, um, I'm recording this right now. It's evening of uh, Sunday. So the Sabbath is over. Um, I spent today in this place of discovering uh, the concepts around rest. It's been on my heart for weeks now um, to really dig into this. God gave me time and space and wonderful energy. Today, I just felt the joy of the Lord on me. I don't know what I'm walking into in 2024. I don't know how God's going to provide for our family. I don't have, you guys, I'm not, you know, high on the hog over here. Um, I live in a very expensive place. Don't, you know, expensive location in the country. Don't have, you know, tons of money. I'm not rolling in the dough. I have to work very hard a lot of the time. But you know what? God has always been faithful. Um, I've always been able to eat. I've always been able to... Um, can keep going. And I I have to credit God for even keeping me out of depression at times in my life, life, keeping me away from um, something that would lead me to seek out the medical community for answers. I mean, God has always been there to be my answer and what I relied on and what I could put my hope in. And he's been so gracious to me through my sins and my mistakes I felt the joy of that experience today in such a big way. I wanted to dance. I was thinking of David dancing before the Lord. I just, I, I love the Sabbath so much. I got, I had such a good time with God today. I felt like dancing. Now I took a walk instead, <laughs> um, but you know, I think I'm going to dance this week. I think I'm going to dance before the Lord and praise him because he has been so faithful. I'm still here. He's not done with me. And I think I'm going to get to see wonderful things that he's going to do. And I can't wait to see them. So I want to tell you one of the great things that the Bible tells us is the joy of the Lord is your strength. And that joy doesn't always mean happiness, but it is a call to hope to inspiration, to continued perseverance. And yes, Seek, find that happiness every day that you can be a light to your friends, family, neighbors. I don't always do that well, but when I sit and I consider the goodness of God and the hope that I have, um, it changes me, right? And so the joy of the Lord really is your strength. It does really make you strong. And I'm going to recommend to you as usual for rest this next year, commit to take the Sabbath. You guys, the Lord is faithful. He meets with his people on his holy set apart day. He just does. He said he would, and he does. And I am convinced it's the most important first step. If you haven't taken any steps of obedience yet in your faith, this one will be life-changing for you. And it will, it will lead to the next steps because it is the time you have with the Lord 
where he then tells you what the next thing he wants you to do is, where the, he then starts to impress upon your heart how to be with your family, how to love on people. What is the next thing that he needs you to do? What is the next place that he's going to send you? If you don't have that time with him, it's very hard to hear his voice. And so it's also the day that you learn what his voice sounds like. Take the Sabbath. I don't know what 2024 is going to bring to everyone, but I promise you this, you are going to want that time of rest. It is made for us, right? Set aside the worries of the kingdom of this world. Set aside the fears and the prophecies of death coming from the news. No curses can touch those who are in Christ without the approval of Yahweh himself. The adversary wants to keep the people of God paralyzed and in discouragement, reliant upon the flesh and mankind for answers. How many tares are among the wheat right now doing this? How many tares are among the wheat trying to push? What are they trying to push? Instead of pushing character and character building and spiritual preparation and preparation, you know, for the garments and obedience. They're pushing prepping. Okay. They're pushing fear, fear of China, fear of Russia, fear of the next presidential election, fear of uprisings in the cities, fear of this and fear of that. And what does the Bible say over 365 times? Do not be afraid. The Lord your God is mighty. He is a fortress. He is an ever-present help in trouble. He controls all things. He sees when a small bird falls. How much more does he know you and care for you? When you live in fear, all of those interdimensional beings, all the places where they can read frequencies, believe me, they know what fear looks like and they will take advantage of it. They know what rage looks like. They will take advantage of it. You are being manipulated by the world at all times. It has always been this way. The world has always been trying to manipulate you, to push you into the Babylonian system. My friends, the call of Christ is to leave the Babylonian system, to rely upon the Lord and his provision, and to know that until your last breath, God is not done with you on this earth. He wants you to be working. He wants you to be working as a laborer, okay? Do not listen to the tares. There are tares among the wheat. There are false teachers and false prophets all over the place right now. Sit down with the Holy Spirit and your Bible and listen to the Lord. And we're going to talk about <laughs> the simplicity of the gospel that mankind consistently attempts to confuse and bring chaos to so that people never understand. They never understand what it actually means to follow Jesus because they want it to be about man-made doctrines and their own fame and their own prophecy and their own pulpit and their own standing. This is a, this is a tear mindset and we've got to get out of it. That is not who God says he needs to be in your life. He's number one. You do not rely upon a person. You do not rely upon some man's teachings. You do not rely upon man-made doctrines. You need to rely upon your rabbi, Yeshua HaMashiach, the one who not only created everything, but who redeemed all of creation. Okay. The tears are rampant. It is time for us to be able to recognize them and to oust them from our thinking. We won't be able to get rid of them totally because they are everywhere. And we're going to talk about that too. I mean, they are absolutely everywhere. It's crazy.
They are in every believing community right now. I'm convinced of that. Um, bringing confusion to people and causing all sorts of division and suffering among the people of God. There's a great rise of a religious spirit happening right now. Like I said, I've been talking about the Holy Spirit lately because I have been feeling a rise of a spirit of religion among all believers and faiths. Christians, Messianics, look at what's going on in Islamic communities, even in liberalism. You know, people who worship um, atheism or who worship themselves. It's all about the rules, their rules, 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 man-made, God-made, doesn't matter. They mix them up, right? The pretend rules, the real rules, they put them all in a bucket and they say, rely upon these uh, for salvation. Rely upon these rules that I've made in order to move forward in your next steps of obedience. Rely upon these rules to understand scripture. Oh boy, that one's a big one. The man-made rules that are given to people. To, and then they say, through this filter, go read scripture. And it is just a disaster, right? The additional rules, the subtraction of God's rules, whatever it is, it's about the rules and not about relationship with God. So I hope you understand whenever I talk about the ways of God, I try to frame it as we do these things out of love for our Savior and for relationship because we love him and because, gosh, they're good for us and good. they teach us so much about him and they deepen our relationship to him. We get to be close to him through doing so many of the things that he's asked us to do. It's a joy. You know, it's a wonderful opportunity. But if you are outside of Christ, if you're not in Christ, there is nothing in them for you, right? You must be in Christ. You must love him. That's the first step, okay? Everything else is just a spirit of religion, and it won't it won't bring you any any goodness, right? You might have um, some wisdom, some extra wisdom. People that follow, you know, some of the great rules out there, you know, be faithful to your wife and your husband, and don't murder and all that stuff. They're blessed by those things, right? There's a natural blessing that comes from not being egregious on the earth. You get along with people better. You don't end up in jail. You're more respected in the community. You have peace at home. Okay. Those are all blessings that come from obedience, right? But without Christ, you can't get any closer to Yahweh with them, right? You're not going to get what you want out of them. Okay. And you're not ever going to be saved by law keeping. That's just not how it works. There's no, there was no route to salvation through any law keeping. There's no, there's, there's no law in the Torah that can save you by keeping it. And there's no sacrifice in the Torah that can save you by doing it. And so there was an additional something that had to take place. And it was only by the blood of Yeshua that we could be saved. There was no other way. The Bible's really clear about this. So every believer that thinks that the Old Testament Hebrews were keeping the law for salvation, no, they weren't. And they knew that. They were aware that they could not cleanse their conscience of purposeful sin there was no sacrifice for them. There was no salvation. David talks about this. David talks about having to go down to Sheol and wait on the Savior. He knew, you know, even though he was called righteous before the Lord and, you know, even though he was a man after God's own heart, he knew he can't be saved until the Messiah 
right? They knew this. We are the ones that mixed up that principle and started saying they kept the law for salvation. No, they didn't. They kept the laws of God to have God close to them in their community. So if you want to be close to God, do his things be part of his kingdom, right? But salvation comes through no other route besides the Messiah. This is a shift in thinking for many believers. It's hard for them to shift, but it's understandable, right? This is simple. It's simply what the Bible says. It's a shift in thinking, but once you shift your thinking, it gets really easy, okay? Um, but the spirit of religion is is kind of where I'm at with this right now. I'm just seeing this focus on rules, Um And I just want to remind you, it is for freedom that you have been freed, according to the word. You know, may I never be accused of mistaking obedience for salvation. It is by the work of Yeshua that you've been saved. Obedience to his ways absolutely frees you and brings you liberty. But even in that obedience, um, I would say actually, and through that obedience, you find even more liberty when you love the Lord. Uh, I'll, I'll share a quick story. I was having a discussion with a guy on Twitter who, um, oddly enough, he believes in the feast days of the Lord, but he said, we're not allowed to keep them because the calendar got changed somewhere along the line. And so we don't know how to keep them perfectly. We don't know how the perfect days to keep them on. And basically what he was saying is you shouldn't try to obey the Lord because you won't be able to do it perfectly. And to that, I say nonsense. Again, another man-made rule. We're never going to obey the Lord perfectly, right? Until Yeshua returns and teaches us that obedience exactly how to do all these things, especially for all of us now who are 2,000 years downstream from the teachings of Yeshua. It is going to be only through the Holy Spirit, right, that we're going to have enough understanding to really apply these things correctly. I do think through the Holy Spirit, there is correct application, but we're going to make mistakes along the way. The point is, do you have the spirit of Cain or do you have the spirit of Abel? Abel knew that he was supposed to bring his best. And so that's what he did, right? He brought his best. What is your best? How can we do our best with this? Abel didn't decide because he wasn't sure that his best was the best, that he he didn't decide, well, I'm not going to bring any sacrifice at all. No, he still brought his best. The problem with Cain was that he knew he wasn't bringing his best. He, He brought it. He brought whatever he wanted to bring, and he demanded that God approve of it. That's the spirit of Cain. I don't think when we keep the feast days of the Lord or we keep the Sabbath or whatever, that we demand God approve of all that we've done. We don't go before him. Hopefully we're not going before him and saying, look, I've done this perfectly. Now you have to accept it. You know, in fact, I think that's a lot of what Christmas and Easter is, is we take something that God never ordained and we go to him with it and we demand that he accept it as holy and his. That's kind of problematic. That's very egotistical, right? We shouldn't be doing that. We need to go before him humbly and say, hey, I'm trying my best. He knows. What does he judge? He judges the heart. We do our best. Um, But look at the restrictions that gentleman is under. He's so afraid of not obeying the Lord perfectly that he doesn't even attempt to obey. That's frightening. That's a frightening level of restriction. That is a religious spirit, and that's a problem. You wonder why people are exhausted with religion, right? 
They're burdened by it. This is happening in every corner, and I believe it's absolutely tied to the work of the Antichrist. I think Christian nationalism is part of this. It's the obscuring of faith and politics. It's the blending of the two. This is a religious spirit, and it is not of Yahweh. Okay, so be on your guard. Any man that comes along and says he's going to establish a Christian nation is attempting to replace your Messiah. There's only one who can establish God's laws as described in Scripture properly, and only he can anoint his bride and his workers. And you are not going to be able to vote him in. Okay, this is Yahweh, Yeshua himself. Only one will be able to do this. Okay. You're not, and you won't be voting for him. He's going to come down and conquer the world and he will establish himself in Jerusalem and he will rule and reign. And you do not get a say. It is not a democracy at that point. Okay. Um, Listen, these Christian nationalists, all of the, they're at, they want your pledge of allegiance. They want you to pledge your allegiance to a nation. They want you to pledge your allegiance to their ideas. Okay. And even churches do this. You guys, so many churches ask for an oath from you. What does the Bible say about taking oaths? It says, don't do it. Okay. Don't take oaths. Don't take vows that you don't have to take. There is no reason to do that. It puts you in a position to be in sin. And these sorts of oaths that a lot of churches ask their members, they, they ask for membership oaths. They, you give over spiritual headship to a church. This is wrong. It's fraud. Okay, they are not your spiritual headship. Allegiance taken and given in those situations, those allegiances, those are unbiblical. Your headship, if you're married, your headship is your husband and Yeshua. If you're a man, your headship is Yeshua HaMashiach. There is no person at church. There's no priest. There's no Catholic priest who needs to intercede on your behalf. And there's nobody that has spiritual headship over you. Now, accountability, get accountability. Absolutely. Have good, solid believers in your life that keep you and hold you accountable. Be faithful to a church community so that you can have, listen, we need community. We need community. I'm not saying that you shouldn't be loyal or faithful, that you shouldn't attempt peace with your brothers and sisters in Christ, and that you shouldn't have accountability partners. I am saying you should not be giving vows to those church bodies. You are part of the entire church. It's a global church, right? You are not one denomination, one one party, you know, one place, one location. You belong to the Lord. And by the, and again, according to God's laws, taking vows is a bad idea, okay? Again, exhausting the saints. We're exhausting people. We're asking them to abandon their families to go to church. We're asking them to hand over the authority in Christ that they have to someone else. And then we're putting them to work like slaves. It's, it's exhausting. Th think about the Christian nationalist stuff, guys. What would happen if a mainstream Christian Christianized the nation, got into power and decided to Christianize the nation? By the way, this has been tried before in the past, and it's been disastrous in its results. But what would that look like? Who, who, who are these people that think they have perfect doctrine that they could do this properly? People that are caught up in this are also often caught up in some other strange doctrines that we're going to discuss here. Um, one of them being uh, people, the, some of these people believe we're already in the Sabbath rest of Yeshua, that we're in his kingdom now. Okay, I don't believe this at all. 
just because I can observe it with my eyes. <laughs> okay. Um, what is the rest that the Lord describes as a Sabbath rest? It's no work for you or for others. It is not on your shoulders. It is not on your, it is not your burden, right? It's not a day of burdens. Um, and the Lord is supposed to be reigning from Jerusalem. That is not happening. Guys, read the Bible. Okay, Paul states, right, he's running a race. He's working. He's not in rest yet. You know, the parable of the laborers or the parable of the ten virgins, they're parables of people who will be laboring up until the moment the master returns. The ten virgins, they are waiting. They are laboring. They are preparing their wedding garments. They have the oil. They are, they are getting ready to go. They are waiting. Okay, they're prepping until the physical return of the groom or the master. Guys, that's the that's the era we're in. Christ is not reigning right now from from the the earth, which the Bible describes is the millennial kingdom, the millennial reign of Christ, okay? So, no, we're not in some sort of weird Sabbath rest now. Um, by the way, if we were, then all of the timelines that this scripture has set out um, are just wrong. They don't, there's no consistency. God has set his timeline. It's seven, 7,000 years, seven days of creation. He set it from the very beginning. He's not going to depart from it. So we have not been in Yeshua's kingdom rest yet. Okay. So people, a lot of people who are caught up in Christian nationalism have some of those beliefs. Um, we have people teaching Gnosticism under the guise of heart-based worship. And let me explain that. I've seen many teachers rising up saying, you cannot obey the Lord. You don't have the power, even through the spirit, to obey God because your inner man isn't perfected. So you cannot show outward obedience. Now, when God laid down his laws to his people, he did not ask them. Listen, hear me. Hear me on this. When God laid down his laws to his people, he did not ask them to do something they weren't capable of doing. That would make him a bad father and the author of confusion. When he said, thou shall not covet, thou shall not commit murder, he meant it. Now listen, listen to what covetousness and, and murder is. Covetousness is a heart issue, right? It's not an outward action. It's an inward position. Murder is a heart issue because murder requires premeditation. The scriptural definition of murder is it's premeditated. You've been thinking about it. It's a heart issue. He told you at the beginning with the Ten Commandments, you've got to clean the inner man. He said you needed to capture your thoughts. So when Yeshua says in the New Testament, if you've lusted or you've thought about murder, you've sinned, he's not contradicting what had already been given. It was given already. He is repeating it in a different, he's using a different phrase. These sorts of teachings that separate the physical obedience from spiritual and there's no connection between the two. This is Gnosticism, you guys. This is secret knowledge. This is the inner man is the perfect eternal one and your physical body is wretched and sinful and you'll never be able to tame it and there's something materially wrong with your physical body. No, there isn't. There's nothing sinful about your cells. There's nothing sinful about your bone structure. There's nothing, nothing sinful about your eyes. Okay, everything has to do with what you do with those things right? Um, but your physical body, you're made in the image of God. It has representations of it in it. 
of the laws of God, of the temple, all these amazing things. You can actually look to your body for, um, you know, representations of so many biblical principles. You are beautifully and wonderfully made. What you do with it is where sin comes in. But your physical person and your spiritual person, you can't separate them, right? Until you die, you don't have the power to separate yourself from your body. So this is this dualistic view that is getting taught by many people. This is Gnosticism. And um, it's very tricky, right? Because God does want your inside clean. He does want to come in and have the Holy Spirit clean you out and work on you from the inside out. And it must be from a heart that has been given over to the Messiah in a place of love that you do all these things. And it will only be with the help of the Holy Spirit, right? But... Make no mistake, a good father doesn't ask his children to do things they can't do and then punish them when they do them. Gnosticism and some of these teachings teach a very wicked father. And we have to be very careful when we see that stuff. It's, again, it's exhausting. Look at all the lengths you have to go to try to figure out then what is sin. Or can you stop sinning? Or should you even try? And if you can't, why even try? Why not just believe that Jesus is the Messiah and move on, right? Good grief. The Lord has always said to love him and to love others from the inside out. It happens time and again in Torah that God says this. Again, there's nothing new in the New Testament, but Gnostics really like to make everything new and super spiritual. And there's no physical obedience needed that everything now is super spiritual and the Holy Spirit will tell you everything you need to do, but you don't even need to read the Bible. Okay, they're going to go there. But God is not the author of confusion. He is ultimately always consistent. There are not thousands of extra rules that you need to worry over that are all spiritual. What does the word say? The word says the laws of God are not too difficult for you. They are already close to you. You do not have to go into heaven to find them, nor to the depths or across the earth to seek them out. They're already in your mouth. This is what the Old and the New Testament says. They're not too hard for you. So you don't have to read someone's mind to know if they're obedient or not. It's not secret knowledge. The Lord is a good father, right? He's not asked what is too much for you. He has promised to help you. You're not like God, right? You're not God. You're not perfect the way he is, but you can follow him and you can do what he has asked. Do not let anybody tell you you cannot. That is the work of the adversary. The work of the adversary is to tell you God's laws aren't really for you. But there's a whole set of other rules, a whole way of having to seek inside yourself and into your mind and heart for unlisted sins, unwritten concepts in order to become whole. That is Gnosticism. It is a lie. And if you have the Holy Spirit, one of the main parts of the Spirit's job, according to Scripture, by the way, one of the main parts of a Spirit's job is to convict you of sin. So that you can change, <laughs> be convicted. He will work in you to make you more like Yeshua. He will ask you to read his word, to take steps of physical obedience. He will convict you where your pride has gotten in the way. Do you trust him or do you enjoy the vagueness of Gnostic beliefs and teachings? Because boy, are they all over the map and they are causing exhaustion, my friends. Do you see how the believer is being attacked on every side, pushed, led astray, lied to, burdened with extra tasks, making things impossible to figure out? 
You have these giant Christian conferences on cessationism demanding that we all believe their limited version of the Holy Spirit. You have these giant debates between Calvinists and non-Calvinists where the doctrine of Yahweh's hatred for so many created beings is promoted and loudly proclaimed and debated as if there's a winner in that sort of man-made nonsense. You have divisiveness over end-time studies and eschatology, pre-trib, post-trib, pre-mill, amill, divisiveness over the names of God. People saying you can't use the name Jesus. You can't use, you know, you you don't know the name of God. You're not using it properly. You don't pray properly. You don't say, you don't say the right creeds. You don't have the right sayings. You're not pledging allegiance to the right things. It's exhausting. And I believe right now we are being called out of all of this. We are being called into arrest. We have a groom and a savior and a friend and a king who wants to speak to us face to face. I mean, he just loves us. He wants to breathe his rest upon us. He wants to breathe new life into us. He is a restorer, the wonderful counselor, almighty God, prince of peace, peace, shalom, wholeness. Not a message of man-made doctrines, demands, or rules that break pieces off of you and make you tired. Our Messiah gives us gifts like the Sabbath that bind up our wounds, bring back the pieces that have been scattered. He wants to put you together. My question to you right now, do you need to step back from your pursuing, striving, or the direction you've been taking? Do you need to reevaluate where you're spending your time and your best energy? I know I have been reevaluating that as of late. I want to give you a quote from a book I've been uh, rereading, reading and rereading lately by Brad Scott, passed away a few years ago, had a ministry called Wild Branch Ministry. Toward the end of his life, he was getting very concerned about the divisiveness in the Messianic community, the Hebrew roots community, the divisiveness, the silly arguments and the lack of focus on relationship with God. And he was teaching about that a lot. And he has a book called Gifts of the Bridegroom that talks about the Holy Spirit. Um, I want it, He starts with Matthew 16, 24, which says this, Then said Yeshua unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. And this is Brad Scott here, guys, uh, talking. Most children know what it means when someone says, follow me. It seems to be the adults that have a problem with it. So Yeshua was pretty insightful when he told us that in order to enter the kingdom, we must become as little children. Western religious interpretations teach us that because Yeshua kept the commandments, we do not have to, or that keeping the commandments is something that Yeshua did until the cross. After the cross, we're no longer under the law, but under grace. So logically, to continue to do what Yeshua did would be under the law. The same absurd logic would follow Paul's comments about the letter of the law and the spirit of the law. Using Western logic, the letter of the law means to keep our father's commandments and the spirit of law means not to keep his commandments. Cute little cliches that fool the masses until these concepts are brought into the light of scripture. In Hebrew thought, to honor Elohim with your lips was the letter of the law and to honor and serve him with your heart was the spirit of the law. End quote. Simplicity, simplicity, simplicity. We don't have to go searching for any person's doctrine regarding this. We, we need to understand it as a child would. To follow me means to walk in my footsteps, 
run after me, do as I do, think as I think, walk as I walk, be like me. It is so simple. What did Yeshua do? How did he live? What was he like? It's so simple. What are the words he gave? What are the law? What's the law that he gave? What are his directives? Why are we doing it? It's so simple. I, for one, am frankly tired of all the men who have gotten in the way of the simplicity through the centuries. I'm tired of the thousands of denominations. I'm tired of the infighting over doctrines that are only found in between the lines of scripture. I'm tired of being yelled at on Sundays and argued with on Saturdays. An interesting note that Brad Scott in the same book mentioned above makes a good case that the extended gifts of the spirit are not seen in the church because of our division. Our divisiveness has quieted the work of the Holy Spirit in our communities. The Bible tells us Yahweh reveals his things first in nature, in the natural, right? Then the spiritual. If the natural comes first, then the spiritual. If the physical laws of Yahweh have been warped, as many of my podcasts have discussed, then the spiritual gifts have likely also been warped as well. We do not see obedience like the church in Acts had, and we do not see the spiritual gifts like the church in Acts had. We don't have maturity. We just don't have it, and we won't get it until we submit to the kingdom of God. The infighting around useless doctrines must end. There must be unity around the word to end these man-made and adversary-made battles. I'm tired of ministries to the poor and needy suffering because they don't have the perfect doctrine, right? According to whoever. I'm tired of how money seems to be spent in churches. I'm tired of having to be silent in one congregation because my thoughts are antithetical to their teachings and silent in another congregation because I am a woman and silent in another congregation because I'm not ordained by the cemeteries. I mean, sorry, the seminaries. (laughs) It's a little little side joke. (laughs) Ha ha, the cemeteries. Okay, anyways. It's funny. I didn't even notice how exhausting this all really was until recently. I've been slowly getting more and more tired of all of this, and it just hit one day in the last few weeks. The religious spirit is exhausting for the saints. The burdens that Yeshua came to free his people from are back with a vengeance, and no church is safe from the tears that will attempt to bring this in. Follow Jesus. It's simple. Love him and follow him from that love. There's no additional doctrine needed. Read his word. Learn his ways. What did Yeshua do? What didn't he do? Come back to Shuva. Return. It's time. Listen, this is the seed principle. Seeds and plants are throughout all of scripture for a reason, right? A seed dies and it goes into the ground. You can't see what is happening there until it bursts forth, and you cannot know what it is until it produces fruit. The relationship between the heart and the outward man is that picture of the seed. It's simple, and it's everywhere in creation as a reminder. Anything not of the Bible or the word or the seed, according to Yeshua's parables, which is the word, right? Anything not of the word is a mutation in the seed. Any addition or subtraction from God's word, any new burden or new framework put around it is a mutation. That part of the seed will not produce the fruit of our Messiah. And we are seeing that in droves right now. So what does this have to do with rest? Well, I think once you decide to come back to the simplicity of the word of God, the Bible, there's so many expectations put on us in this society. I think 
for Christians, we expect ourselves to be perfect in ways the Bible doesn't even tell us to be perfect. Um, we expect to serve the church and perfectly serve our families. That's not always possible. That's okay. God calls you to your family for a reason. You know, serve your family well. Get your house in order, as Jordan Peterson puts it. It's an important principle. God is all about family. Um. For many of us, we're burdened by the dictates of our local churches or the dictates of the, the Catholic church or the dictates of things and people that when we go to the word of God, we don't see. And so we're not encouraged or inspired. We're, we're burdened. We're brought down. There's so much infighting. There's so much doctrinal infighting. And I, I, I feel like I've been part of it. I haven't wanted to be part of it. I, I was reminded, I was thinking about my book today. I was like, have I been part of this? You know, Lord, I repent if I've been part of this. And I apologize if I've been part of this because I, I wanted to write to Christians about the freedom that I found when I rediscovered what God's word, well, no, when I actually discovered, let me put it that way, when the Holy Spirit allowed me to discover what was really being taught in the word, it freed me and it changed me. I wanted to share that so much, but did I become part of the problem? Maybe. But the first chapters in my book talk about love. It talks about that this is about love, right? This is about coming back to our first love. So let me, let's simplify this. The most important choices you're going to make in your life, the most important things you will do tomorrow, what are they? Who do you belong to and who do you serve? What if we got back to loving God and loving others and we just went to scripture for the definition of those things and we stopped attempting to put man-made doctrines on other people or on ourselves? We stopped making creeds more important than scripture. We stopped taking vows that we don't need to take. We stopped pledging allegiance to things that don't deserve our allegiance. We just sat down with the Lord and said, hey, I'm tired. I just need you to come and speak to me, minister to me. Give me one thing you want me to do. Tell me the next thing I'm going to do. Tell me the next thing I need to do. And then you put your trust in him. You followed him with obedience and you trusted him. It doesn't mean you're not going to be tired. It doesn't mean that your next steps of obedience won't be challenging. But I think we're mentally and emotionally and spiritually exhausted. And I think the high rates of depression and divorce and infighting and need to be right and egotistical raging going on all over Christian communities is because... We are mentally, physically, emotionally completely overwhelmed. We are being entertained or given information all the time, and it is pushing out God's ability to speak to us and have us hear it, have us actually hear it, have us be encouraged and lifted up, have us be reminded of his greatness by going into creation, by taking the Sabbath. We are, we are hamsters on a wheel. So how do we change this? What are we going to do this week to change? And, you know, for me, resting on the Sabbath, rest, sleep, eat your favorite things, hug everyone in your family, call someone who needs a friend, sit down and pray, just listen to God, right? Rest. You don't have to know everything right now. And you don't need to get caught up in useless doctrines and debates. Great example here, the flat earth debate. 
okay, it could be an interesting conversation, but good grief, it is not worth a fight. It's not a doctrine to stand upon. It's not even doctrine. Is it worth your time to lose people over the idea of cessationism? Are you going to stake your whole life on that claim? Come on. I don't think so. Go down the list of nonsense. What doctrines are absolutely biblical and which ones can only be found by reading one or two scriptures without any research into the meaning of the words or testimony from the rest of scripture? Rid yourself of fighting over such doctrines. Rid yourself of worrying over anything. Over anything. Worry will bring you nothing. It will bring you nothing. And so much of the time we're so worried about being right, we forget about being like God, like our rabbi. Just love people. They're going to think differently than you do on some things. It's okay to correct your brother or sister where they're going astray, especially where it's going in a place that's going to be dangerous. It's okay to pull people aside and say, you know, I think the Bible says something different. But what's even more effective at times is your own personal testimony. If God's changed your life around some steps of obedience, that's your testimony. Nobody can change it and nobody can say a thing about it. Tell people what God has done for you and then sit with the Lord. Let him do the work. He's the one that saves, not you, not me. And no Christian nationalism is going to save a whole nation. None of that stuff, not going to work. It is the Holy Spirit that draws people, right? It is the Holy Spirit that does that work. All you do is spread the word. You spread the seed, right? You go out and you give the word of God to people. You give them your testimony and you keep going in your relationship with the Lord. So um, for me, I have a personal need for rest at the moment myself. I have been going and going and going and working and working and working and feeling like I'm being pulled in a thousand different directions and not able to finish with excellence all the things that I have before me. So I am going to continue this podcast, but only when I feel the Holy Spirit really wants me to send something out to y'all, um, only when I have a great opportunity, which I do have many more, um, to interview interesting people with interesting stories. Right now, though, for the next two or three months, and it's hard for me to say because I've been working so hard at this podcast. I've been faithful to it, but um, I, I'm not going to be necessarily pushing to get something out every single week right now. I want to take a step back and evaluate what God wants to do with me and really make sure that I'm in alignment with him and the work that he wants to do on me in the next year. I think he's got, well, I know he does. He has plenty of work to do on me and I want to be more careful than ever about what I bring to my wonderful subscribers and you folks that have been so great. I want to be careful. Um, and I want to make sure that it is only driven by the Holy Spirit, not driven by something I just think is interesting or something that I just am super excited to share. I've got to make sure that it's what God wants me to share because the times are perilous. Um, And the spiritual position of people is being taken advantage of by so many. And so uh, I don't want to be somebody out there 
adding to confusion or adding to the fray. I want to be a place of rest and joy and inspiration for you. And I know I can only do that if the Holy Spirit guides every single second. Um, So I want to be that much better about preparation, that much more careful in 2024 with my dear friends and um, folks who have joined this podcast. So There's plenty of content you can go back to the last few years um, and share with friends and family. I've, I, like I said, I felt really faithful to it. I, since I started it, I've been pretty consistent about putting stuff up and I love so many of the teachings I've gotten, gotten to share with you guys. So many of the discussions I've gotten to have and, um, I've been blessed by it. Uh, I'm not stopping. I am just breathing. Let's put it that way. I'm letting God breathe into me, work on me, deepen my relationship with him right now, spend that extra time just really listening, really researching, and carefully asking what he wants me to do and trying to only do those things. By the way, I would encourage you to do the same this next year. Um, I don't care if the year is amazing for everyone or really challenging for everyone. What really matters is, can you hear what God wants you to do? And are you going to do it? And um, you know God has already asked you, right? What does Micah say? Um, Walk humbly, right? Love justice and mercy. Uh, Love people and love the Lord. You know that already, right? But God may have specific instructions for you. Take the time to listen to them. And be careful to do them. People need you. You're needed. You're wanted. You're loved. You're here for a reason. And um, God can use you and use you mightily to expand his kingdom. Not anyone else's kingdom, his kingdom. But I think it is a time to be careful and um, to not pledge allegiance to anything, anything, that is not of the Lord. Be careful. So I am here. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not shutting this down in any way, shape, or form. I'm here. Um, And I'm going to be working on lots of different things. And I do have a really fun um, product, I guess you could put it that way, or something that I think is going to be hopefully helpful for people that I'm super excited to complete and finish. And I will let you know when that's available too. I have some interviews coming up I'm going to be sharing with you. So I'm not stopping this. I'm just not going to be, like I said, pushing every week to make sure that something is up. But I am here and I I really want to commit a lot of time to prayer for people. So please reach out if you have prayer requests, if you have needs, if you're looking for a church congregation, if you're looking for just whatever resources. I have come across so many people. I've gotten so connected to so many wonderful people, places, teachers, books, you name it. So I would love to be a resource for you and help you continue in your journey of faith. Um, no matter what that route is, whether it's through a podcast or whether it's just through email. So please reach out. And I, um, I hope this has encouraged you. I will be back. Um, many blessings to you till next time.